on this week's episode of 90 Degrees. We are joined by Hitman, creator for the Hammer Betting Network. Today we're talking about Super Bowl, prop angles, and the NFL Draft. Let's dive in to the sharp side and look at the right angles in sports betting. Big bomb, bomb, bangers. Ladies and gentlemen, Jews and Gentiles, sharps and squares. You're now tuned into episode 18 of the 90 Degrees Podcast. Now, why is the number 18 significant? Well, if you multiply 18 by 5, you get 90, 90 degrees. Also, 18 uh, in Hebrew is the same letter as luck. So anything divisible by 18 is good luck. So today's guest is our boy Hitman, fellow New Jersey native, prop connoisseur. And what better time of the year for betting props than the Super Bowl? So Hitman, how you feeling today? Are you ready to kick some ass this Super Bowl? I'm good. It's been, been a lot of work, a lot of grinding, but ready to go. So before we dip our toe into the Super Bowl, for those that aren't familiar with your great work, what? how do you fit into the betting space? So as far, so I'm mostly a prop better. And I mean, that's where my biggest edge is. Now I do do sides and totals. I do do fairly well in them, but prop betting is usually where my expertise is. And, you know, there's a difference between a handicapper and a better um, handicapping wise. Um, I, I give, try, I give out uh, a service, give out prop picks. I obviously do a bunch of work for the hammer and everything. And, but then and I'm a pro better that I'm focusing on getting a lot of outs getting as much as I can on props, which we note down, which I know can be a problem for some people. So the Super Bowl is really my one of my favorite events, probably NFL drafts one and Super Bowls two, just because so many books are willing to take more action on props. There's so many things you could bet on from the national anthem to the over under Wola players first completion, how many yards will it be? Any of that type of stuff. So it's for, for me, again, I'm mostly focusing on props. So Super Bowl time is kind of like uh, mini Christmas. Draft is Christmas. So Super Bowl is mini Christmas. Yeah. I mean, like the crazy thing with your story as a professional better is before professional betting, you were a teacher, I believe a gym teacher. And I always like to highlight that there's people from all walks of life that are sharp sports betters. Or even like Sharf, um, you know, at sports math, like, um, what what is the space? The guy who started Bill James, he was a security guard at a pork and beans factory before he wrote all his books. All right. So the Super Bowl, um, when do you start, you know, figuring out what angles you're going to hit for it and who are the market movers? Um, you know, I have a lot of angles that I've had year to year that they typically, these lines tend to open. A lot of these books will copy the lines that they put out from the previous year. They have a chart on what they put out on certain props and they'll typically just look to copy it. So there's a lot of angles that I tend to be on the same play year to year. Uh, One of the most popular that like every sharp knows about is the no safety that like all the sharps are always playing the no safety at 
minus 800 or something like that, because the true probability is a lot higher than what, what the implied minus 800 is. And the public and recreational bettors tend to move that line down. They're looking to play the yes safety and it tends to drive the price down enough to where sharps are taking the value, which tends to be on the no. So, I mean, that's just one example of some of like the year to year props that typically pros will find themselves on. Um, as far as like the, the market makers with the props and everything, it used to be the Westgate would have their yearly thing where on a Thursday they would open up the prop lines. It would be like 2000 a pop and you go from there. And then a lot of books would look towards the Westgate and copy their lines and everything. Now we're in a little bit of a different time with legalization where FanDuel and I mean, I, I swear like FanDuel and DraftKings had props up literally like must've been 30 minutes after the Bengals chiefs game ended. So it's kind of a new time right now with the props where a lot of these domestic books are just putting out props year round. They're putting up such big menus. So they're used to putting out a lot of this stuff. So it's kind of, it's changed over the years for sure, but there's still a lot of stuff that's repeatable year to year, or at least like semi-repeatable year, year to year. And a lot of times my portfolios look a lot the same. I'm betting on a lot of no's on stuff not to happen that where the public's betting yes. I'm laying more bigger prices typically than I am taking bigger prices. I tend to lay more the minus 500s and everything in the Super Bowl because a lot of times that's where the value ends up being. Yeah, I mean, I swear that every year I've bet the Super Bowl since legalization, I've always taken the no two-point conversion or under two and a half passing, um, sorry, different players uh, attempting a pass. Because in general, I just feel like, okay, I'm sweating the whole game and it's not a big payout, but the odds just don't match up. Yeah, so you said that you take the over two and a half, right? The oh, under. the under. Okay. Yeah. I, I bet the under most more years than not. Um, not all every year. I, I know I lost on it in a recent year. Do you remember the recent year that we lost on it? I'm trying to remember. Was it the, uh, the chiefs 49ers Super Bowl? It might've been, it might've been that one. I think it might've been, you're right. But yeah, it's a bet that typically I look to make. And, you know, I think this year, I mean, if you're ever going to look for a year where it's like, do you really want to have your quarterback running trick plays where when Jalen Hurts is not 100% and Patrick Mahomes is not 100%? So if there was a year, I know one person was trying to make a case that it was a good year to bet the yes. And he was like, oh, well, because Nick Sirianni and Andy Reid are creative coaches and they have two years to two weeks to prepare and everything. But no, I was looking at the no again on that prop. And a lot of the reason was based off the injuries with Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes. So I know some shops are offering the no and like the minus or the under two and a half and like the minus 180-ish range. But I was also to, I was also able to find a lot of shops had the uh, will they complete a pass in like the minus 210 range. And I tend to, I like that a little bit more, pay the extra 30 cents and hope that if there is a trick play or something that it does end up being an incomplete pass. So 
that's how I personally approach it. But yeah, that's a prop that I typically look at a, a lot of years also. I mean, this is certainly a year where you don't want to take over the price from the last year to this year because, you know, both starting quarterbacks, you don't know what's going to happen with their injury. Um, I'm certainly, I'm taking the contrarian approach my myself where I just see that um, after two weeks of rest, doesn't matter how much hurt they all have, they'll stay in the game. Now, what about those special team props, uh, like punts and field goals, especially exact number? How do you approach those? So, like, which special teams props? And do you – which specific special teams props, like the over-under punts, any of yeah. those stuff? Field goals. Um, team field goals. Apps. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is there's a little bit – less of an edge with it just because a lot of the legal books like FanDuel and DraftKings are pricing a lot of these all year. So they tend to have a good idea of where they should price these props because they're doing it. Um, now, again, there's always special circumstances and th there is sometimes they'll put up props that like not even the not even these books are these legal books are putting out during the year. Like for example, like they're putting out like the net yardage of punts and the the longest punt, the shortest punt. So you could try to find edges in that because it's something that's typically not put up. Uh, one prop that I did bet this year, and this prop's put up like every week at DraftKings typically, but I bet um, under seven and a half punts around like minus 125 and th that was more of like a little bit more of a line chopping where there were some books of seven some was six and a half i was trying to find who had the right number and with the total getting bet up recently to where it's a 51 total right now just under seven and a half probably should have been under seven so i felt like i was getting a free half punt essentially we don't often say that we usually say get a free half point but i'm saying no i felt like i was getting a free half punt on on the bet so yeah for for the special teams props it's usually not a market that i'm going crazy in but it's something that if you do do the work on it i'm sure that there there is a lot of value to be found and really the only value i found was in that um was in that punt prop that's the only special teams related play that i've played so far I mean, do you look at correlations between certain props and other bets you like um, and try and say, like, okay, this is a market that's not correlated to any main market where I have an opinion, so I don't care about hitting this angle, but because of this particular game, I'm worried about the correlation between this and something else I think is going to happen? Yeah, one thing with, like, the correlation is, like, you got to be careful about – there's so many props that correlate to what team's going to win the game, you know? Like I like the Chiefs to win the game, for example. That, that's a bet that I made. And there's all these props like, oh, well, which team will have the first interception? Which team will take the first sack? Which team will have the most yardage? Which team will have the most rushing yardage? All that. And you got to be careful because so many of these props can be correlated that all of a sudden, like if it goes bad to like, and let's say I like the Chiefs, and they get blown out. Well, in all likelihood, they're going to maybe have the most penalties and they're going to have the most turnovers and they're going to have the least yardage and everything. You're really setting yourself up to, to be overexposed. So that's one thing. I mean, if you have the bankroll to, to sustain 
a disaster. I mean, play the edges. Play the stuff that the math is showing that you have an edge. But there's going to be times where you don't have that bankroll. And if you're playing a lot of correlated stuff, you could get wiped out pretty quick in a game where you're betting 7 million correlated props. It, so it's definitely something to, to be mindful of. Well, what are some uncorrelated props that you have found? Some uncorrelated props, like uncorrelated to the uh, the outcome of the game. To the outcome of the game. Like, for example, the, the passing attempts, in my opinion, is uncorrelated. Yeah. I mean, yeah, passing attempts, it could go either way because like tip like let's say I like the Chief I like the Chiefs. If you bet on like a Jalen Hurts pass attempts over, well, that the reason that he could go over is because they find themselves in a game script where they're behind. So when if they're behind, that favors the Chiefs, obviously. And that, that that's anti-correlated. So that, that's one example that, that you could look towards. But uh, um, I'm, I'm looking through my list now to see if I could find anything. I would say, like, something that affects both teams is obviously uncorrelated. Like, will the opening kickoff be a touchback or not? Over under penalties, that's not going to favor one team or the other. The kickoff stuff, is it, would, would, will the last play be a quarterback rush or not? That's it could be either team that's gonna do that. So I mean you can find a lot of stuff that isn't just all correlated. It's just one bet. There's really no correlations to it. But again, it's something that if you're betting all Kansas City players to go over and then you bet the Chiefs for the game and you bet the first turnover will be by Jalen Hurts, you know, then you're you you're setting yourself up to have a lot of exposure towards one type of game script. I mean, I was just thinking about the correlation because I was in a barstool sportsbook uh, betting competition and involved NFL. So I'm like, oh, great. There's not many games. I'm not a big NFL person. So I just downloaded um, like a NFL game by game statistical log, which showed how many punts, how many field goals. And then from there and the spread. And then I look at correlations. So I was trying to figure out which props are correlated, and which ones aren't. Uh, because I had to figure out for which games am I going to take a safe approach and which ones am I going to go with stuff that's correlated, like picking a team to score first and then cover the first half spread. Um, but what I found with the special teams props, like the field goals, is the number of field goals a team kicks to go over or under the prop doesn't really doesn't correlate with their touchdown number, for example. So that's why in the back of my head, I think of, okay, I like the side I like, but I don't want to be too exposed. What are some props I can look into that are not correlated with the game result? Yeah. I mean, there's so many that you're, you'll, you'll be, it's, it's easy to find ones that aren't correlated with, with the game result that, I mean, like I mentioned, there's, there's the ones that about the, um, about the uh, the last play, the rush, the under two and a half player pass attempts, that's really not correlated with the game result. So, I mean, you're going to do enough shopping that you're going to be able to to find stuff that that you could you could get your exposure down on a lot of props without being overexposed towards one side. That's for sure. 
Now, do you focus on the result of a drive props, like whether it's live betting or pregame? Or is that a market you're not going to You know, I do live bet a decent amount, especially I will live bet during um, standalone games, Monday night football games, Sunday night football games, all that. I'm always looking to live bet. And there's a chance I get involved with some live betting stuff. Like obviously, like last, like if something happens, like that San Francisco um, Eagles game where they're without a quarterback, I, I was getting involved heavily in live betting in that game. But I'll say this is the one game of the year when when the game kicks off. I do so much work in the two weeks leading up to it. I, I just like the fucking. Sorry, you can curse. This. We'll edit that this is out. a cursing encouragement. Uh, <laughs> Well, well, it's cursing optional, but encouraged. That, that, you know, what's funny. That's the only time that I've ever slept on a podcast and I've said a curse word. So you'll have it on video. You'll have it recorded now for, for our pod. But, um, you, you know, it, it's the only game of the year that I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to have drinks and I'm going to have fun. I'm going to enjoy myself. I worked so hard these weeks. I worked so hard for the year. I'm not going to fall out, go crazy in live betting. Now, if there's something obvious that happens, like I just mentioned, I'll get involved in live betting. But it's the one game a year where I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get ready for the offseason. I'm going to enjoy myself. Now, I doubt this angle still exists as more books are offering live player props. But it was two years ago, and I was able to get in a 26-yard passing yards live player prop middle. I forgot on which player and I was just like, you, like, like one book had like two different books. Like one book had two ninety six and a half and another book had two seventy five. You know, I rarely I rarely ever find middles on live player props. And the reason is is because so many of the books use the same software provider that gives them the um it, like I know FanDuel and DraftKings are always the same and they use the same provider which, where they have the same lines, sometimes a little different juice, but the same lines. So that is something that, oh man, that, that, that that's, that's getting the best. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's one that I found in the past, but I don't think it is. It and, and you know what? The best part is if you could ever do that in live betting, the odds of it middling are so much better because there's so much less game time that you have to deal with so like if you were to get that a 25 yard middle at halftime is way better than a 25 yard middle before the game so oh yeah i gotta find some of those bucks i mean i don't know if that's gonna exist this year but that's why i'm always you know scrolling down that live betting menu on the super bowl just to see if they got some unusual prop oh yeah for sure for sure and it's hard to even figure out which of those books are even sharp in the live props or not. Yeah. I mean, I, I typically am able to differentiate who has the right line and who doesn't just because I'm so deep into betting, into prop betting all year that like I'm so familiar with like what the number should be, what it closed pre-fall, all that stuff, the game state, because I am live betting props a lot. Typically, I'll be able to figure out if there is a different difference like that. Who's correct? And you know, I I never I never middle just to middle. I always say that 
I'm looking to play what I think is the right side. I never want to middle, just middle, just find who has the right, what's the right number, and then bet that. So that's typically how I look to attack it personally. Yeah, I mean, that's the better way to go is to figure out which of those two off-market numbers is the best one to bet. Because oftentimes it's like one number is like right and one number is wrong. It's not like both numbers are wrong. Yeah, exactly. But, but certainly if I don't have an opinion on something, that's usually what I'm going to do. Yeah, if you don't have an opinion, if I can't different, if I can't tell who's the right side or not, then obviously I'll just play it and everything. But like if it was a different sport, like baseball or something, and I didn't have a guy that I could go to to ask who's the right side, then I would just probably middle it and be like, I don't know what the right side is. Let me just lock in this plus EV middle. But something like with the live player props, typically I can rely on myself without having to ask other people. I'm like, all right, what's the right side on this? Now, I don't know if this is necessarily considered a prop, but it's definitely not a main market. For the alternate lines for the Super Bowl, do you think there's any value there or should betters... Uh, flee those markets. The, open, for the, Super the opening spread lines or the opening prop? The open, the alternate oh, spreads. Oh, the alternate spreads. Um, yeah, I mean, you're typically not going to find value on it. Maybe back in the day when books weren't pricing this every single week. You know, back in the day when there was just a spread in the total. And then for the Super Bowl, books would put out alternate lines. And that was something they weren't doing all year. Maybe back then you could find value on it. But now a lot of these books, they're pricing these alternate lines all year. So it's something that just because it's a Super Bowl, you're not really going to find. You're not going to find anything that that is different from any other week. I mean, I asked because uh, for the gameday.com where I write, uh, they had me do a Super Bowl simulation from the start of the playoffs. Um, so that went pretty well because my top two best bets were Eagles, number one, Chiefs, number two. Um, but then the Super Bowl came, so it's like, okay, simulate the game 25,000 times. So from there, I had the alternate lines. But because I had the Eagles as a one-point favorite and the market's not much different, there wasn't really that much value. Um, There's certainly like a couple edges, but there were like microscopic edges on either minus seven Chiefs uh, plus 288 or Chiefs plus two and a half at minus 115. But the edges were so small. They felt like, wow, I did all this work and this is the best I get. Yeah. And you know what the thing is? It's like you're doing all that work. and But the, the thing is that the sports books have been doing all that work the whole year where they're placing alternate lines on every single game. And typically they're alternate lines to begin with. There's a lot of vague, hidden vague in those alternate lines where there's a pretty big edge. Like you would have to have a pretty big edge to, to typically be able to beat those. And I mean, remember, there's no more efficient spread all year typically than the Super Bowl is as well, where that game gets the most attention. It gets the most money bet on the spread. So they, it typically is the most efficient spread of the entire year. So I don't pay as much attention to the alternates as I should, but I would guess that the alternate lines would probably be pretty efficient at most places. Yeah. And then most of what I saw when doing the alternates, because in this article, I put 
the break-even odds in my from my simulation for every single alternate going, you know, buying or selling points, I think up to 16 points. And most of what I saw are all the bad value bets. <laughs> so hopefully someone comes across this article and says, you know, I was thinking about this bet, but now I realize that's, how much worse of a value it is. Than that's the, the best thing that you could do is try to save. A lot of people are, it's just about, you know, most people that are betting recreationally, they're probably going to lose. But I mean, the best way that you can put, put it to people is try to lose less, try to do stuff that try to avoid some of the needle in the haystack bets and the stuff where there's a lot of hidden house edge, like same game parlays and stuff like that. So that, that's usually the best advice I give to people that listen, it's, it's for fun for most people. Most people have normal jobs. They just want to bet a few bucks and have fun. But uh, that's all I, what I always recommend is if you can try to help people just lose less than that, you, you did something. Yeah, and like the other one that I covered was team winning margin. And like the point I had was like, these are all pretty bad bets, but there's one bet where it's a negative 0.5% edge. So if you really want to bet it, you know, that's one bet that the, the edge is just as good as paying uh, perfect basic strategy blackjack. So I don't recommend doing it, but if you do, here's a... Um, I think it was plus 1300 for 13 to 18 for the chiefs to win by that much. You know, if you really want a long shot with a small edge, that's it. Otherwise don't do it. Yep. That's the perfect way to approach, to, to tell people about it. And it feels vexing because I love the small market sports. So if I do work on alternate spreads for first, second, third and fourth quarter, uh, European basketball, like the edges on that will be much bigger. Now, obviously there's issues of getting the money down and not getting banned. And that takes some creativity. Story of my life. Yep. It's like, <laughs> but it's like, okay, I found this edge and I did this work. But then a lot of what I find for NFL, Super Bowl or playoffs or whatever, is you do all this work and then just doesn't seem worth it. Like it's, it's fun to watch and it's great. And it's certainly the business I work in. But it's just head scratching. That's the thing. Like you could be the best handicapper in the world, but at the end of the day, all that matters is being able to get the money down. You, if you have nowhere to bet, you have no nowhere to get the money down. You can't get the money down. It doesn't matter how good your model is, your handicapping. I mean, the most important thing is getting the money down. Well, I would say besides getting the money down, if you're a good handicapper, you want to figure out the right angle for your handicap. Like, what is the best way to bet your position? Exactly. I would say it's a tougher skill. Yeah. So if you have hundreds of markets that are correlated with the outcome, say, okay, of these markets, which is the best one? Yeah, what is the highest edge? Yeah. Because it's like, you know, the chief chances of winning if Patrick Mahomes has 350 passing yards, I would say are pretty high. So it's like, okay, if you find a good Pat Mahomes alternate, for those alternate player props, maybe that's better. But of course, you have to watch out for the big. Yeah. And a lot of times, the thing about, like, especially if you're doing the same game parlays for the Super Bowl, just remember, like, if you do something with, like, Mahomes having a certain amount of touchdowns with the Chiefs' money line, these books, like FanDuel, DraftKings, they are pricing in the correlation into their algorithm. They're not just pricing in. They're 
overpricing it in, in all likelihood to where you're paying more than you should be paying on something like that. So that's why typically I just tell people to, to stay away from stuff like that. Yeah, the crazy thing with these uh, big game, same game parlays is obviously with so much of the correlation being overbuilt in and being such a bad value. There's occasionally scenarios where I see them offer bonuses for the smaller players or profit boosts where if you put the right things together, the profit boost will negate whatever the house edge is. But of course, you have to have a keen eye. Yeah, and the stuff about the profit boost too, though, is remember a lot of times typically it's very low limits that you can do that for, you know? So, I mean, I recommend people that are betting small on everything. Like if you get those boot like boosts and everything, play them. It's a good bankroll builder, you know? But it's something that you can't always be, be looking towards doing. Yeah, I mean, it all depends because I know that profession, there's some professional betters that listen to my podcast. There's some new betters. So there's always something for everybody. And of course, you know, that sometimes there's a, a same game parlay contest where whoever has the highest payout gets a certain prize. Is there? Yeah, I mean, Barstool Sportsbook during the season had same game parlay or regular parlay contest where if you're top 50 for $10 minimum parlay, you get a $1,000 bonus. I'll tell you what. So for that, I was able, you know, it's not big money. But for that, I was able to figure out, okay, what's the winning parlay number? Yeah, yeah. So that's when all the all the weird stuff I bet, I just throw it in a parlay for this contest and hope that it looked decent. Yeah, it's, it's, a good, it's a good marketing ploy by them. I'll give them credit. I don't like to give these books credit a lot of times, but I'll give them credit on that one. So, you know, certainly there's, there's always some sort of angle for – if you're playing the the bonus promo, et cetera, market. But for the most part, these same game parlays, I think are the are one of the biggest threats to uh, sports betting, you know, as we speak, because you're getting these new players to do these bets that have a big payout and they're more likely to go bust and not be interested in sports betting anymore. Yeah, and I'll say though, the, the one thing that I'll, t- I'll say about it is, I mean, there are every now and then opportunities where I found like early in the year, I had some information that Daryl Henderson was um, not going to get much work in one specific game. It was for the Rams and the same game parlay, you know, you can only get so much down on the straight bets, but with the same game parlays, it's a way that you could circumvent the limits to get down more and you could bet under 59 and a half alternate parlayed with this under 49 and a half rush yards under 39, et cetera, et cetera. And there's ways that you could get more money down by doing that. So there are ways to take advantage of it, but generally, generally it's something to, to steer clear of. Now, like, are there any new type of prop bets for this year's Super Bowl? that you've noticed that didn't exist last year? Just a lot of like player specific stuff. Like um, will Travis Kelsey have a rush attempt? Like you often don't see a tight end having a rush attempt line. Um, 
There, there hasn't been. Are these ones where they list the no, or are they only list the the one option of it? No, yeah, there's there's the no. I think the no is like minus eight hundred, if I if I remember correctly. Um, but a lot of it's the same stuff. Will, will a quarterback have a reception? Like just a, a lot of similar stuff that I've been seeing. So, but you know what? We're still far out. Yeah, there's probably a lot of books are going to get creative and they're going to start putting out probably new stuff that we're not accustomed to seeing. I would guess there'll, there'll be some cool stuff, but from what I've seen so far, a lot of these books have like the generic, all right, this is what we offer every Super Bowl, And I'm sure as the week goes on closer to game time is when they'll try to get a little more handle and put up some of these newer, more creative markets. Now, once everything is said and done, when the ball kicks off on Super Bowl Sunday, how many bets do you think you're going to have down on the game? Over 100. <laughs> Over 100. It'll be a lot. That's typically, I think my go-to number is usually like 100 to 130. I'll probably have. So it's a lot. But, I mean, it's not a lot. When you have a lot of outs and, you know, you have – a ton of different paperhead skins to bet into. And then there's the, all the legal outs all over and everything. And when you really break it down like that, it's only like three or four bets each, each different legal out or paper, any of that. So it's not as crazy when you break it down that way, but yeah, it's probably going to be. I mean, I don't think it's crazy at all, but yeah. I just bring it up because people will be like, all right, you spent all this time researching and how many bets are you putting in? Yeah. I mean, it really, it depends. It really depends like for each person, how many outs do you have? Because you're going to find so many different lines, line sets. And when you're finding different lines, you find the discrepancies, find what you think the right side is or not. So that's where I'm having a lot. A lot of my plays that I have for the Super Bowl is like, oh, this one specific book has this play when no other books have it. It's not a widely available play. So that's typically what, what I'm tending to a lot of my portfolio has. Now with the Super Bowl coming up, are you spending less time on the other sports you focus on? Or are you able to balance it out better? I only originate runway. I only originate the NFL. Now I bet every other sport, but it's either I'm betting news, I'm betting off market lines, I'm betting I have guys that specialize in those other sports that trade me information. And everything. So that's really all I'm doing for those sports. So it really, the other sports aren't affected much, to be honest, because it's not really, I'm not originating or handicapping anything in other sports. It's just getting the money down and, and betting on this stuff. So not really a big difference for me. And my handicapping and all that fully focused on all the, um, the Super Bowl stuff for the next two weeks. Now, what time in the football season do you start preparing for Super Bowl Super Bowl props? Is it right before the the um, the Super Bowl odds are posted? Yeah. Are you looking at certain things months in advance? No, it's it's on Monday, probably Monday after the conference championships, and and they're starting to get posted now that early. So you know, Sunday I'm focusing on last minute stuff in the conference championship game, and then even maybe as early as Sunday night, that's when it's Get ready. And it's easy to work really hard when you know, like, all right, just get through this game and then I'm done until like July, you know? So 
that makes it easy to just grind and go crazy during these two weeks is because you know there's a light at the end of the tunnel. So once that light at the end of the tunnel is done, you start preparing for the next football season or do you take a little sports betting vacation? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm always betting, but again, it's a lot easier to bet when you're not originating and you just got to worry about getting bets in and everything. You're not doing the handicapping work. It saves a ton of time. But then you know, once more NFL lines get posted, get back into the thick of things, you know, the regular season wins, the NFL draft, which I love, the season-long player props, all that stuff starts to come out, and then you start getting back. And the week one lines, the, the look-ahead lines, all that stuff starts coming out. You start getting back in the thick of things. But it's definitely a significantly amount of less work during the NFL offseason. I mean, it's and then when the season comes around, it's five, six months of just crazy grinding, not much free time. But then during those six months, it's back to, you know, you have a life a little bit and you, you're still you're still working. But it's a lot. It's a lot. Of, it's a lot more um, less time consuming. Yeah, I can only imagine now NFL draft. Um, how do you approach that? Because you can't exactly look at some stats and be like, okay, I think this is going to It's happen. the biggest edge, at least for me. Um, it's just, you know, following the mock drafts, following the reporters, following the draft guys, reacting to news before books can adjust to the news. There's information that gets passed along in the draft, typically on who the teams like, who they don't like, what positions they're targeting, all that good stuff. So... It's my favorite market, but I'm getting a little bit more worried year to year that books are not going to be taking as much action in the draft because books tend to not do well in the draft. It's an event that the betters tend to usually get the best of it. So a little worried about the long-term viability of the draft, but something that I'm definitely, that that's my favorite event of the year to grind. And how do you figure out when teams are doing a head fake to the rest of the world? You know, I mean, it's a lot. You can never tell for sure, but you got to play the percentages behind it. You know, you can kind of when when you hear certain information, you can kind of say to yourself, you know, this makes logical sense to me. You can kind of get a portfolio on teams. What teams tend to be a little more honest with reports? What teams tend to always lie? What reporters tend to have a good feeling about certain teams. They tend to have good information on those teams in years past. It's really, it's tough to describe how you do it, but you kind of just got to have a feel for it through experience, to be honest, where you're doing it so many years, you tend to just have a feel on what information is correct, what isn't. And that's not to say that I don't get duped. I get duped plenty of times, but you know, the name of the game is that you're right more than you're wrong. You're going to be wrong, but the draft is an event. If you do your work, you you should. Most sharp guys I know will be right uh, more often than they're wrong in that event. I mean, my favorite NFL draft story, betting-wise, is when Doug Kazarian read the actual fine print on a bet and an MGM prop. I forgot exactly what it was, but a player that was a defined as a cornerback, but was really a safety. And then he like jammed the machine for a lot of money and they made a ton. Like, I mean, I guess there's a lot of stuff where it's like reading the rules. You know what kills me about that story is I knew about that bet. 
I knew about that bet at that specific sports book. And I was in the process of trying to get down on it. And then the odds got pulled and everything. And obviously I presume that it was him that hit it 700 times and got the odds pulled and he beat me to it. So credit, credit to him. I probably would have made some nice money on it, but yeah, that's an example of sometimes where you could find an edge. Yeah. And he was at bet bash too. And he's a good ass dude, but it's just, you know, I like the fact that he was, he has a, a daily wager or bet, whatever they call it on ESPN these days. And he's actually a practitioner of what he's talking about. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people like in the content business that they talk about this stuff on daily wager or something like that, but they're not really in the thick of things. So it is refreshing to have people that are in the thick of things and they're betting their own money. They're betting good amounts. So that's definitely a story that I relate to is, and maybe I've, I've had my fit, a few of those moments as well that similar to what he's had. And it's always good when you can get a big score like that off of something like that. Yeah. And I'm also curious of um, what happens at the gaming commission for when legal sports books, try and sh- stiff betters or other shenanigans for some of these odds. Yeah. I mean, and a lot of these places are going to do whatever they can to do that. So, there's... but luckily if somebody files a complaint, it's a public record. Yeah. And, but you know, so you can dig it the up. thing with the gaming commission too, is they tend to lean towards the books a lot of times. So you kind of have to have, have to have a really compelling case to be able to beat, beat the books and stuff like that. I mean, that would be a hell of a 90 degrees angle um, episode. If I just do public records requests for all the gaming commission decisions and like analyze them. <laughs> I'm sure you'll be favoring with the betters more than they are. <laughs> I mean, I just, you know, look at the, what the actual documentation says, because I was looking at the New Jersey Division of Gaming Control. I forgot the exact NJDGE, Gaming Enforcement. And I was looking at their complaint form if someone wants to file a complaint and they have to have attachments of uh, customer service chats and other ways they've tried to resolve it. So I'd be, you know, that's all a public record. So I'm interested in, you know, considering what isn't redacted, looking to see, okay, what was the documentation? Yeah. Yeah. What made it get to that point and what was the decision? Yeah, for sure. Because I'm guessing most of the time, if the book actually screws up, they will, the book will settle it before it gets to that point. Yeah. I mean, I, I've had some issues as well and it, it never got to the point. Although it was like a half dozen customer service complaints and having to contact higher ups to try to resolve stuff. Fortunately, all my stuff has been resolved, but not without it being a giant pain in the ass. Yeah. And I know it's like a lot of the time I think I got clever and they didn't pay me out. And it turns out I look at the house rules and it's like, okay, I got played and it's on me. Yep. Yep. <laughs> All right. Do you have any last advice for betters uh, for the upcoming Super Bowl and for future Super Bowls? Tend to avoid the needle in the haystack bets. And on public bets, if you like the public side, for example, like Patrick Mahomes over pass yards is a public side. 
where recreational betters are going to be looking to play that, play that stuff early. And if you like the other side or you like the nose on stuff, tend to play that late. That's probably one of the best pieces of advice I could give for the Super Bowl because that's how you're going to get the best of the number. And then the other probably best piece of advice that I could give for the Super Bowl is have a lot of outs because with a lot of these props, when there's hundreds and hundreds of menu options, you should be able to find discrepancies between two different books. So that's probably the two best pieces of Super Bowl advice that I could give people. All right, Hitman, thanks for coming on 90 Degrees this week. Appreciate you for having me. Thank you very much, and good luck in the Super Bowl. Big bomb, bomb, bangers. Thank you for tuning in to 90 Degrees, presented by the Hammer Betting Network. Head over to our website, thehammer.bet, for all your sports betting needs. If you've enjoyed the show, click that like button. If you're new to the channel, hit that subscribe button. If you've made it this far, drop a comment on your favorite Super Bowl prop betting angle. Let's cash.